Hey, what's going on, champs? I'm Aaron Deliosa. Welcome to An Immigrant's Life, my podcast about immigrants, immigration, and everything in between. Today, our guest is one of my OGs. I've known this dude since high school from the old country, the founder of the Bobby Gowinko School of Basketball. I love him to death, my brother, Robert Bobby Mitz Gowinko. <laughs> that, that doesn't exist, guys. That... Uh... School of basketball. <laughs> it was a high school joke. Yeah, it's. it's anyway, so. <laughs> mm-hmm. But anywho, thank you for doing this, brother. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Let's start from the start. Um, where are you from originally? Philippines, obviously, from <laughs> the Tanay, Tanay Rizal. It's about. Uh, I think it's 25 kilometers from, oh, from Manila, around somewhere around that. Um, it's not that far, but it will, it will might take you two or an hour and a half from Manila to Tanay um, because of uh, heavy traffic. <laughs> um, what else can I say where I came from? Um, there's, it's been, there's been a lot of change like um Tanay is is the kind of town when I, when I was growing up Tanay is, is the kind of town that uh, you pretty much know everybody it's a small town but nowadays uh, like say when I took a trip back home in 2017 oh let's hold up to that I'll I want to talk about that later and like going back to your point when we're growing up we know everybody, you know, and we can go to any places and we know someone there. I, I said um, before on the different episodes, I went home with my family, I think last year, and it was different. It was different, but I'm not going to lie. I like the, the changes, to be honest. It's more convenient. Yeah, it's 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 progress. It's 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 going to happen eventually, but it's. You kind of want to look back and how, how a small town like you kind of feel like you can walk anywhere and be safe. Uh, I don't know about that safe. <laughs> <laughs> no man, like, I'm, just a couple of weeks ago, I, we've been seeing news, hmm. bad news. You know how the media, like, it's always been terrible, and it's sad that every once in a while you hear bad news happening. And it's happening in our town. It it never happened when we were young. Like now, there are uh, rape cases. In, yeah, unfortunately, in our I town. Mean, it happened when we were right? growing up, but it's very sporadic. And it's it's kids, man. Like there's anyway. It, it's just sad. The those kind of news. Yeah, it comes to progress, like you said, right? It's just. You know, more people, harder to police, and police doesn't exist at all. I mean, there are police, but they're like 50 policemen uh, watching, I don't know, let's say 50,000 people. You know what I mean? Something like that. Yeah. I mean, no, the town is like more million um, population, but I'm saying the ratio. One policeman will be watching, I don't know, let's say 50,000 people. Like it's mm-hmm. not. And like you said, it's not a small town anymore. You know, back back then, you get in trouble. You just have to say your last name, 
and they'll be like, oh, I know these people, especially your family. You want to talk about that, about your family's uh, old business? Sure. Like, well, my, my, uh, my dad, uh, best known for his work about, uh, during the old times, we, you, you can go to basketball courts <laughs> and have, have, have parties. Yeah. That's how it was done. Um, and my dad is known for making good sound system, like speaker boxes, huge speaker boxes, like six foot by six foot speaker boxes. And you can hear it from kilometers away. And it's some neighbors are not happy about it, but uh, a lot of kids are having fun, like having a party all night. Um, that That's the time when the skull is a thing ace of base is a thing <laughs> um vanilla ice hammer um dj's scratching the vinyl i don't know how, how if that's the term to say it like no yeah you're you're right the old school dj they actually play the record and play with the record like mm-hmm. you know scratching the record not now that I'm not knocking down the new music, obviously. I still like it and I still appreciate it. But now it's just a one scratch and then loop it, press the button 10 million times, and then that's music. Mm-hmm. And any tricycle that has my, my dad's sound system in them is kind of the D tricycle back home. Yeah. Tell the listeners of what, uh, what tricycles are. It's like a, it's a motorcycle uh, with a cab, and it's a public transport in the Philippines, whenever you need to get to to get some food, restocks, or shopping, call a tricycle. It's it's everywhere in the Philippines. Yeah, sorry, I, I derailed you there. He was saying that his dad gets his audio stuff, his speakers, gets rented so he can DJ the the party, any party. It could be a birthday party. It could be a, fa- a company party or jig parties. And back then, I... Th- yeah, and I think there were three, for the lack of a better word, companies that does this. It was his dad and then two others. And I love that there was like this idea of there's tiers. Like the lower one is, let's say, I don't know, company A. And then the second was company B. And everybody knows that it's a good show. It's a good party if Bob's Music is doing it. Is that the name of the company, Bob's Music? Our company's name is uh, Third Degree mobile but my my dad's name was called bob he he named the business bob but his uh, nickname is ben he was only called bob in tanai he's not from tanai he's the guy from manila that my mom met when she was in college she's from pililia pililia rizal and they moved to makati and that's the time that my mom met my dad and i think when they got married or somewhere they moved to tanai rizal and started the business fixing uh, stereos, radios. I don't know how, but people started calling him Bob and the business. If you need something fixed, if you need a good sound system, go to Bob's. Mm-hmm. Did he go to school for that? No, um, that's impressive because wow. everything that my dad did, he's kind of a little embarrassed about it, but he ne- we never really talked about it. it. It was just my mom telling me the story that he never graduated college. I'm not even sure if he finished high school, but it doesn't really matter because in our house, you'll see a lot of magazines, a lot of books about electronics, sound system, speakers, and based on 
everything that my mom told me about him, uh, he just self-studied it all. What a beast. And also the carpentry of making the boxes. Yeah. He built them from scratch, right? He did. He, he'll buy some wood, he'll buy the tools, he, he haul plywoods from hardware, and he'll buy some power tools from, I think, you know the street? I'm not sure if it's a street in, mm-hmm. in Manila, Raon. Do you want to tell them about Raon? Just quickly, just a quick background for the people. Raon is, is an electronics street or I'm not even I, I'm not even sure if it's a street, but it's a place where you get your electronics or your tech during that time. It's like I'm sure every city has this. It's like a place that you want something cheap and you know most of them obviously from China. you go to Raon, you find anything there pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Um, that's also where my mom gets all her vinyl, mm-hmm. uh, record vinyl. That's oh, what she you collected call it, vinyl. Right? Oh, that we got like I we got a room full. Oh man, you gotta check that out because some of them probably like she sold it already. Um, oh, okay. She didn't really get a good deal about it, but uh, she was in need. And mm-hmm. during the time that she sells it, social media is not really a thing yet, so it's kind of hard to look for someone to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so yeah, my dad builds the box, um, the speakers for parties, uh, 18th birthday parties. Yes. Uh, that's we call uh, the debutante. The, the debutante is the person, it's debut is the celebration. Exactly. It's kind of a big thing when you're a girl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when you're a girl and you're turning 18, you're kind of looking forward to having this party. Yeah. It's uh, for the people that doesn't know, debut is when a woman or a young girl becomes a woman and the society welcomes her and say, hey, you're a woman now, even though she's 18, you know, uh, we got this from uh, the Spanish, you know, the slavers. <laughs> so that's what debut is. Um, how was your childhood? Like It was good. Um, we were, I can say we were well off. Up until before high school, my dad's business is good. Um, he's got the top of the line equipments for the business. What my mom's doing is uh, you can call during this time, you can call it piracy. My, what my mom's doing during that time was uh, um, she's recording, like she buys a, a vinyl, a music vinyl or or a cassette tape, record uh a list of songs that you want and put it in one cassette. What she's doing is making mixtapes. That's what she was doing. Yes. And yeah. it was good. Like it, it was in the late 80s and it was, I think, 10 pesos a song. Dude, just, just, just imagine, man, how much, what's the value of 10 pesos? 10 pesos in the early I... 80s, right? Yeah, I don't know how much was the 10 pesos back in the 80s, but now if you just quickly, one Canadian dollar will be, and compared to peso, it'll probably like, maybe like 10, 20 cents, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, business was good during that time. Um, during grade school, I have all the, my parents' attention just to me, to myself, and all their, like, I'm the kind of kid that, 
will tell my mom, I want this and I'll get it. We don't even argue that you can't have it. Mm-hmm. Just throw a little tantrum and I'm sure I'll have it. That's how it was when I was in grade school. But um, somewhere down the road, they they made a mistake. Um, I kind of felt it when, when I stepped into high school. Um, the business slowly went downhill. Oh, okay. What do you think happened? Um, they weren't able to keep up with technology. This is a time when CDs came in mm-hmm. uh, and cassette tapes are starting to be phased out there like it's not a thing anymore and pro- like again progress it, uh, the technology is progressing and my yeah. parents couldn't keep up so it was that bad well that was the start of my family going financially downhill and never recovered up, up until this point never never recovered did you work in the Philippines? Yes, yes. Uh, Obviously, because of this, um, you start having you know money issue as family. Is that one reason you that drove you to work? Um, part well, well yes. Um, funny story is when well we're having a hard time, and then I I actually I actually sold the marijuana. Mm-hmm. One of my classmates in college and in, in school. I saw him with let's let's just say I I I've seen I I I saw my classmate in college bringing a lot and I was curious then he was selling it in school then just out of curiosity man like how much do you sell it then we got into talking about it and he's making good money out of it then here, I'll, I'll give you this. If you want to sell it, sell it. If you can't sell it, give it back to me. I took it home, bought some rolling papers, and then rolled it into joints and then sold it per joint. And how much was for a for a stick? Five peso to ten peso. But the thing is, I only I only get that uh, that pack for like thirty or forty pesos. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! But I can make. I can make a baseball cap full of joint from it. Oh man, boy making money. Like even my mom caught me oh, with shit. that baseball cap full of joint. And I told him all my our, our neighbors just asking me to hold it from him. It's a lame excuse, man. <laughs> I don't know if she bought it. Oh, she didn't. I promise you she didn't. She's not stupid. <laughs> but I think she got away from I got away from it from that that night but um she started noticing people knocking on our door these are our neighbors she knows these people but these are not my friends Mm -hmm. but they started going to my place so i told one guy don't send them to my place they get it from you just you you're the only guy who's going to more to my house i think i got it going for a month not even Mm -hmm. then i saw my neighbor that was selling meth being dragged by the cops drag like an animal i was and how old was i like how old is the first year college? i was 18 or t- 18 or 19 somewhere there seeing that scares the shit out of me and then the same day all my stocks i just gave it away so when when that business dried up for you or you stopped the business um that's the time i started looking for a legit legitimate job and what was it 
Um, I was a crew in a fast food chain, uh, Jollibee. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, if you're if you're a Filipino, you know this. If you don't know this, you're not a Filipino. So you apply for Jollibee. How was the process? What documents do you need to apply? Oh, um, Jesus! It wasn't until I get got to Canada that I realized that getting a job in the Philippines is so tedious. You need you'll start from your small town hall like we call it barangay so barangay is a is a zone in a town that's what it is and there's a leader they they call him capitan uh, or captain anyways go on yeah um so uh, okay we we start from getting a document that the barangay captain tells or writes in the document that you're a good person of this community then you take it to your town's municipality for them to give you a police clearance <laughs> again a police clearance will tell you will tell whoever reads it that you're a good person of this town it's also these two documents are the documents you'll need to go to during that time you have to go to manila or somewhere city to get an nbi clearance yeah nbi is national bureau of investigation it's like the fbi for the philippines so you need barangay clearance uh, municipal clearance police clearance and then the nbi clearance and the nbi clearance so that's for and those are not free by the way and the process takes hundreds of years because you know philippines mm-hmm. um all these documents they'll tell the employer one thing that you're a good person When you have all this, that's the only time that you can print your resume and look for a job. So when you go to your employer, you have this folder full of papers, most of it telling that you're a good person and a resume of what you are or who you are. Well, basically, it's just my, it's not a resume, it's a bio, bio data that I have. What it has is my name. Wow. Think of, thinking of it right now, it's just like it has my name. My weight, my height, my birthday, um, language that you can speak. I don't even, like, you can't even think what does it have to do with the job that you're applying for. It just tells you who you are. That's it. Yeah, it, it pretty much all those documents says one thing, like you said, is that you're a good person. Someone knows you that you're a good person. That's pretty much it. It's it's just red tapes that you have to jump over to get a silly job that you barely make money. So you apply for Jollibee and was there like... An interview. The highlight of my interview, <clears throat> why it became to highlight to me is I think I found myself like na- naive during that time. I was so young. And I told I told the manager that in five years, I'll buy my house because of this job. <laughs> so looking at it back now, I'm... I'm 38, still renting, guys. So fast food ain't gonna cut it. <laughs> no, it's not enough. I mean, labor in the Philippines is so cheap that they hire 10 people to do one job. It's insane. Yeah, so I got hired. Um, I never thought I'll I'll stay long in Jolli- Jollibee too, like, or maybe I did because of what I said in the interview. But while working, you kind of feel like this is hard. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. And somewhere in between, one manager told me because I, I uh, kind of I was um, 
palabiro. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a he's a joker. And she responded, "Those that kind of attitude are the kind of attitude that will not last long here in Jollibee." She told me that, and I think that's the thing that got me and stuck me to show her that she's wrong. So I la- I uh, um, in the Philippines, guys, like if you get a job, they have this thing called contractual. Mm-hmm. So the contract says your job is only good for six months, or if you do good enough within that span of time. The company may recognize you and make you a regular. So eventually, they like how I work. I was the first dining crew regular that store ever had. Okay. Working in Jollibee and obviously it was hard. What made you think of moving to Canada? No, not after Jollibee. After Jollibee, I went to apply for a call center job. After the call center job, I applied for an account manager of a software company based in the Philippines, but they are in California. So during during this time, I was I was earning good. Like migrating or moving to Canada was never in my head during this time. I was a manager. I got my team. My team respects me. Like life was good. People looks up to me, and you feel good. Like yeah, yeah. you you like. This is it. I'm I'm doing good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my girlfriend during that time, my wife right now, um, she's the person that wants just to get the hell out of the Philippines. But I I told her I think I think we're okay here. We're okay. We never really like talk deeply about it. Mm-hmm. But she wants to, and me, I don't want to. So okay, okay, let's just go with the flow as of now. And she's the one who planted that seed in your head. And how did you take action? Did you look for a like? Um, you... No, man. Like um, it, the the realization didn't happen not until my daughter was born. Oh, okay, that's the tipping point when my daughter mm-hmm. was born. Uh, then I told my wife, um, okay. Um, we're gonna we're gonna have to have a better income. Like I'm gonna have to be able to afford what our daughter needs, and not just for the two of us. So we need an extra money, extra income. So I told her I'll I'll be working overseas. Then she started googling. She started looking for a job. She was home. I was at work all night, and then she will text me the schedule of the interview. What's what the job is and where where to go. I think I went to two, three interviews. So I go to an interview and then you realize that there's hundreds of people in the interview in line. And nine o'clock, there's a hundred people lining up for this interview. Um, so basically it took one day to get done. Yeah, just for that interview and that that interview um while waiting for the interview you get to talk to people around you the people in line right um i see people has that got experience from a cruise ship a good a good bartender a good waiter um a manager from a from a 
from a good hotel. Like these are the these are my competition. So I'm thinking, what the what the hell is my edge here? Um, so they told me to come back on the weekend, which was good. Um, right off the bat, they like how I talk. They like how I speak the the English language, and then they asked us to come back on another weekend. And this time there was like forty or fifty. And then at this point, we were talking to the owner of the business who flew back to the Philippines to talk to us. And then we talked. He also was impressed on how I speak. He liked how I talked. And bottom line, that was my only edge against everybody on how I how I speak English. And then yeah, so he liked me. And then there was thirty of us that. They asked to come back after a year. We did get the job, but they told us it'll take a year. Then we'll go. We'll, we're just waiting for your visa, all the papers, everything. So it was it was a long wait. But surprisingly, we got to Canada. We noticed there was just eight of us that got hired. So apparently, well, we, there was an orientation thing before. Well, after the interview and. In that classroom, there were 30 of us, I'm sure, because I looked around, there was attendance, and there was 30 of us, given the, the orientation of what to expect, what the salary is, how cold it is in Canada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you were on the plane, you were only eight people, and then where did you arrive? Oh, no, there was three of us that flew together. The first five was mm-hmm. there before us. They, were, they flew a couple of months ahead of us. Then there's three of us in the plane. We landed in Vancouver. You said you're eight on the plane. Yeah, the first five, they flew before us. Oh, okay. Sorry, I got confused. I thought you said you guys were eight on the plane. So out of the 30, there were only eight that got the job. Five of them flew before you guys, and you are the second batch of people. Where You're only three. Yeah. Okay. And what job were you going to have? Um... I knew I was going to be a cashier. Okay, for a gas station. Gas station, yes. Uh, in Prada. So you arrived in Prada, and what month was that? March 2014. March, oh, bro. Ooh, from the tropical place to Winnipeg, and everybody knows Winnipeg. <laughs> the winter is incredibly torturous. Did you have, did you have jackets? Yes, or? we do. We we were told how bad it is, like cold, but uh, you can't really prepare for it unless you experience it. I, I got warm clothes on, but uh, it was cold, but it wasn't that cold as whoever's used to it say. It's my first time feeling my nose or f- not feeling my nose because it's frozen. <laughs> and my cheeks hurting because of the wind. And the three of us was saying... It's cold. But our employer, who picked us up from the airport, tells us, you got here lucky. Mm-hmm. This is a warm winter we're having. But it's still winter. Mm-hmm. And it's still cold for, for, a, for a tropical person, for a Filipino. Yeah, yeah. I'm wearing jeans, sneakers, t-shirt, then a jacket, which I think is not enough for a minus 20. Nope. What kind of jacket was it? Like a winter jacket? Did you buy it yourself? Yes, um, winter jacket. It is. 
it's decent. I, I still use it today, but I have to have an, some extra layers. It's uh, mm-hmm. You bought it in the Philippines? I got it from Divisoria. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Divisoria is a flea market. 300 peso jacket. Hey, that's the job, right? It's the cheapest, but it, it's it's warm. So that's, so that's your first time seeing snow? It is. I was like a kid. Yeah, you tasted it. I was happy. No. No, I didn't, man. Uh, you no. didn't taste it? No, it was on the ground. I'm not going to No, I mean, like, when it started falling. Not that day, obviously, but at least, you know. No, no. Up to this point, I you never, never did. Oh, man, what? you no. are crazy. I don't know. It's just, I just never thought of it. So, were you, like, excited? Were you, like, wow, snow, this is my first time? I was, I was happy, and it's all too much... Like it's, I'm overwhelmed because mm. what I'm seeing around me is different. Everything different. Yeah, of course. How how the house is built, I see everything's pretty. Everything's beautiful. The houses are well made, well planned. There's a plan. It looks like a house. There's like, no barong barong. <laughs> barong barong means dilapidated house that people just grab materials whatever and just tuck things together to make it look like a house yeah it's it's nice it's like i don't know how to explain it words but the things that you only see in first class villages in the philippines you see it you see it here regularly like it's normal right so that is the first-hand experience of seeing a first world country coming from a a country that has a lot of poverty around you. And so where did you stay? Um, our first night we spent in a motel. And then in the morning, his secretary helped us get the papers that we need. Like SIN, bank. We need a checking account for the payroll. Did they charge you for that? Or was it free? With all the papers? No, man. For the, we yeah, didn't, for the we didn't pay for anything. Oh, that's cool. Um, you know what? We didn't even pay for our plane ticket. We didn't spend anything just to get he- to get here. It's in our contract that if we decide to go home or when when the contract's done, he has to pay for the plane ticket for us to go back home whenever we want to. Oh wow! So you have the eject button to like I'm done. Bring and me he'll back pay home. for the ticket. It's in it's in it's in our contract. Wow. I, I don't. I, I I think I still have that contract with me. So he's bound to pay for everything. Okay, so after the motel, the next day, you guys, where did you guys go? Like to live? In Prada. We drove to Prada. Okay, there was an apartment? No, it was a house that uh, my employer bought for his uh, staff. Mm-hmm. How many people live there? The eight of us. Okay, how many rooms? It's a house. Let's say it's a building, but there's three houses in it. It's a triplex. Yeah, then there's three kitchens, six bedrooms. But there's only one laundry. Yeah. Did you have your own uh, room or did you share it with someone? Um, Not at the moment. Eventually, I did. After a couple of months, I was able to get my own room. Okay. I'm sure you were homesick and, you know, missing your family, your wife and your child. How did you deal with that? I was, yeah. Um, I don't know, just kept myself busy. Um, I could say I handled it pretty well. I don't know. I was okay. It's hard to explain. Um, because compared to people that I see, 
people got homesick to the point that they really want to go back. They want to go home. Or um, maybe it's because they're not enjoying what they're mm-hmm. doing and their employers are shit. It helps when you got good people around you. It helps when you like what you're doing and it helps when there's a sense of uh, family with your coworkers. So that helped a lot. So you found strength from family. Just the the goal is to live here, make money and... I don't know, hopefully bring the family here or maybe f- collect enough money, save enough money to go back home and start a business. And that's what gives you strength. Mm, yeah, but eventually what uh, really got me was um, when you learn the things that Canada can give your family mm. that uh, change our, our minds, me and my wife's minds on just well we will just settle here like it's not worth going back home starting again we need it's i think it's it's more sensible to stay here and settle here yeah um yeah that's that's so true i mean that's a great decision obviously because it's not there's no comparison to be honest there's no comparison i mean living here is just you know it's not paradise, obviously, but hey, you know what? Compared to living in the Philippines, it's close to it, you know? There's a reason why people migrate, right? Or immigrate in in Canada. Uh, I want to talk quickly about how did you deal with long-distance relationship with your wife? You know, how hard it was and... A lot of Skype. We talk a lot. Shit, I'm not making sense. Eh? No, um, you are. you're good. Yeah, you just open communication. That's what, what you're trying to say. Yes. We talk about everything. There's fire in the relationship, regardless of the distance. And it's good. I can, I'm happy. That's good. <laughs> so the, that fire, obviously, it, it didn't matter how far you guys were between each other. That, you know what, this is our goal. We're going to keep on going. How about parenting across the Pacific? That I find more challenging. The thing that I remember most is uh, when my daughter started looking for me. That's the hardest part. Like, I can't be there. I like little things that, mommy, I'm going out. I'm going on a plane. I'm going to leave you behind. I'm going to daddy. And uh, my wife just texts me these kinds of Mm -hmm. conversation that she's having with her daughter. God damn. Like, mommy, I, I miss daddy. And it kind of breaks your heart. Um... And how did you deal with that? Oh, I, I, I don't know. I just go through the process of mm-hmm. being sad. Everything, all that feeling goes away when I Skype my daughter. She's happy talking to me on Skype. She shows me her work. Um, she loves drawing. Um, we talk about her school, um, how her day was, how she's looking after her mom. And she's two years old. That's amazing. Well, yeah. I left when she was two. And she she was six years old when she got here. We were apart for four years. Man, that must be rough. And you just open communication. I, I, you know, Skype obviously helped a lot. That's... Yes. Man. I mean, I, I, like I said, uh, 
in the previous episode, I grew up like that too. I grew up without my mom because she was working uh, overseas. And, you know, I, I was young. Obviously, I wanted my mom, but I knew we had a goal. And to achieve that goal, we have to sacrifice. And unfortunately, sacrifice is not having your mom. And I'm sure, mm-hmm. I'm sure you know, it was hard for you and it's hard for your daughter and your wife. But there was a goal and, you know, you just keep on pushing, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about the process of bringing them here and how long it took? Um, it was not, the process was not hard. It was just long or the contract. It was just for two years and I'll get my permanent residency. And once I get the permanent residency, I will be able to fly them over. I hired uh, an immigration lawyer to do the paperwork for my permanent residency, for, for getting nominated for Manitoba. That cost me six grand. Um, I paid for it in installment every month for five years, I think. And uh, just to realize that we don't really need one. It could have been done by ourselves. We just need to read the website, follow the instructions. And, but uh, the main reason we got the lawyer is because we, were, we didn't have any vehicle of our own. And we live like a good 100 kilometers away from Winnipeg. Uh, and then we don't have a vehicle. Like if a paperwork needs to be done, Something needs to be signed. We don't have any means of being to Winnipeg right away. Mm-hmm. So somehow it, it, it will be comfortable to have a lawyer in Winnipeg who can do all the paperwork for us while we're in, in Prada. It worked, but I don't know the details of why it took so long. I think the nominee took, took long and then... How long is long? Like, we were expecting two years, but I didn't get my permanent residency not until four years. Ooh. So they doubled it. Wow. So you didn't see your family for four years? I took a vacation back to the Philippines in 2017. Uh, after three years, my wife really misses me. I miss her. Then, despite the financial lack, we pushed for me to go home. So I was, I was in the Philippines for a good two months. So, yeah, that was three years before I, I saw mm-hmm. them again. Wow. So it took four years for you to process the paper. And then after four years, they finally arrived here? After four years, when I got my permanent residency and my family got theirs, there was a, there was a plan that uh, I told her, baby, when we get our permanent residency, I think we need to save some money to buy you guys ticket which might take me a couple of more months. Mm-hmm. But it all changed when we got the permanent residency. Why? I got, we got the permanent residency. I got them the ticket that will fly them over after two weeks. <laughs> like, I didn't wait. Hey, man. And nobody, nobody knew. Nobody knew they were flying. Nobody here in Canada knew they were flying. Our family back in the Philippines... We, not, we didn't tell them not until two weeks, not until I got the ticket. But I told, I told my wife, don't tell anyone that you're flying here. 
once we get the ticket, just tell our immediate family. That's mm. it. Don't why even did, tell your friends. Was, is there a reason why? Can you tell us? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I don't want to jinx it or anything. Or mm -hmm. And then I don't like people talking about, mm -hmm. hey, um, like you're going away. You're going away. Should we should have a party or anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. It's a, Yeah, just keep it quiet. So you must be happy when they finally arrived here. Oh, yeah. Very happy. I was, I was lucky enough to share it with one of my best friends. Yeah, he was on vacation. He stayed with me for, I think, two or three months. And he was able to witness my family arriving in Canada. Oh, that's amazing. It was nice. We went out. We stayed in a... Yeah, we, he paid for our, for our rooms. Whoa. When, uh, when we, went, we went to Winnipeg. Picked my family from the airport, and he paid mm -hmm. for the for our rooms in in Winnipeg. Why? Uh, what, what? What do you mean room? Like a hotel room? Yeah. For what? What do you mean for what? Because this is too far to go to drive back. Oh, we um, yes, that's part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife and my daughter they haven't have a good sleep, mm -hmm. and I was planning to take them somewhere good in Winnipeg. Like I think we went to the zoo the next day. Oh wow! Yeah, we like we slept in a in a room. Uh, I think it's a Victoria Inn or something. Mm -hmm. And then you drove them to Prada. And were you still living with people, or did you get your own place by then? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I was living with an, another worker, and the other workers they live upstairs uh, of the building. So you had your own unit. Yes. My wife showed up. Everybody was surprised. Nobody knew what I was up to. And it was like, oh, you're here already. <laughs> That's amazing. And then, and then they just realized how, how secretive of a guy I was. Like I, I did everything <laughs> without them knowing. <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, it's not, I don't think secretive is the proper word. I think it's more private. You just want to do your own thing. So um, how long did it take for you guys to get your place? Ah. Uh, after a month, month or two, I think. Like this is the the time, the point when my employer asked me if I want to work for him in Kenora. Mm -hmm. He said, since you're already a permanent residency, you can work outside of Manitoba. Okay. You can work anywhere in Canada. I said, sure, why not? Let me talk to my wife about this. And when we looked into it, although Kenora's close, like it's an hour drive from Prada. It's a different province. It's Ontario. And the gas price in Kenora and the cost of living here is more. So although it's close, it's expensive, right? So I told him, if you really want me to go to, to work for you in, in Kenora, in Ontario, you got to give me a good, a good salary that, so I can support my family. He said, okay, we'll talk to the manager of co-op gas station. He didn't like it. He didn't want to, but he wants me to work there too. Mm -hmm. So I went back to the owner. I talked to him. Okay, if you really want to help me, just between you and me, you can give me $300 cash monthly and I'll go with $15 per hour in Ontario. Mm -hmm. he, he agreed. He just told me don't tell it to anyone. So, okay, we moved, we moved to Kenora. They also promised me that I might get the job of managing the store. And they wanted my wife to work for them too in the office and train her as a bookkeeper. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, she was doing uh, 
housekeeping. But as time goes, her training and bookkeeping is looking like impossible or not happening at all. Mm-hmm. She's, she's getting more hours doing the housekeeping, which she didn't like. Then she resigned. They didn't like it. Then they, this is the time they started pointing fingers. Oh. That we never promised her to be the bookkeeper wow. or to do bookkeeping. We let it go. We'll just, she'll just leave. But I have to stay because we have to have an income. And then after a year, the owner told me he can't support me anymore with the $300. I told him I can't survive without that. That's like, that's the only reason while, why I accepted the job here in the first mm-hmm. place. And the promises of having, of looking after the store. Mm-hmm. I just want to go back quickly on the, you said earlier that you wanted to talk about this, how easy it is getting job in Canada. When you're looking for a job here in, the, in, in Canada, I think all you need is talk to the manager. Hey, can I be a dishwasher? <laughs> yeah. That's all it will take, right? That's all you need, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, pretty much that's all you need. I mean, write your resume. Dude, you don't even... I haven't... Oh, my. Since I got to Canada, I, I never printed uh, a CV, a resume <laughs> or anything. When, when, uh, when Doug hired me for the construction, mm-hmm. we just talked. Mm-hmm. And then I asked... He, we, talked, we talked about salary. We talked about uh, um, what kind of job. And I told him... Do you need my resume or anything? No, no, no. Just go to the office, talk to my secretary, <laughs> and she'll look after you. That's amazing. Uh, okay. Okay. How did you meet Doug? Uh, Doug seen me working in two different jobs mm-hmm. in Kenora. I think he liked it, and he seen me work. And in a small town like Kenora, people talk, right? Oh, of course. So... So I think people know good work ethics of the culture mm-hmm. of the Filipino. Mm-hmm. So there was one one uh, morning I was in Subway and Doug phoned Subway. I didn't know it was Doug. He just phoned ordering a big order of subs. Mm-hmm. I was in Subway. And then I uh, uh, took a deep breath. I was all by myself and told him, give me say 30 minutes to do this because it's it's not just a sub it's it's a sub for your for his for his crew yeah. there's lots of them yeah. so he said okay i'll be there so i start making them i made the sub then we at this point he he knew i was working in co-op but he didn't knew it was me that he was talking over the phone oh, okay so he was surprised to see me in subway said Aren't you working in co-op? He said, yeah, I'll be there tonight. I'm working here in the morning and I'll be working there later. After this shift, I'll go straight there. Hmm. I work six o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock in the night, I told him. Mm-hmm. And I think he liked that. Then he took the order, gave me a $5 tip, then went away. Mm-hmm. Now, oh, thank you. Thank you. 
Uh, it's not even five. I think it's 20 bucks that he gave I me. was just going to say, come on, man. 30 subs What? for five? Come on, man. You got to give something. No, he, I think he, he gave me, he gave me, he gave me 20 bucks. Okay. Then I was like, oh, wow. This, this guy's good. Yeah. He's a good person. Mm-hmm. Up to this point, I never heard anything bad about Doug. Everybody likes him. Mm-hmm. Stand up guy. Um, so, um, When we meet again in co-op, he told me, do you know any Filipino carpenter? Um, no, no, I don't know any Filipino carpenter. Why? I, I, need, I, need some, I need some good carpenters, he said. Well, if I meet or see someone, I'll let you know. Mm-hmm. Then... But you know what? I know someone who handles construction in the Philippines. Do you want Do you want to talk to him? Um, no, I, I I just need a carpenter. Okay, okay. Is there a lot of uh, Filipinos in Kenora? Not. Uh, I don't really. Maybe five hundred or seven hundred. Okay, so yeah. Not even. Okay. Um. So he. He's looking for a carpenter. I told him I'll, I'll let you know if I see him. Mm-hmm. Or after a couple of weeks, he comes back to me. Do you know any Filipino carpenter? No, no. He's trying to sell you something. <laughs> and then after, and again, after a couple of weeks or a month, Doug talked to me again. Do you know any Filipino carpenter? Well, I told him, I don't know any Filipino carpenter, but Are you willing to hire a Filipino that is not a carpenter? <laughs> It finally clicked on you. This guy's telling me something. All I have to do is ask. And then, do you want to be a carpenter? He said, well, why not? So I worked as a construction worker for Doug. Mm-hmm. I resigned to my job there in co-op gas station. So I got the job in construction. Never in my life I thought I'd be working in construction. And I never thought I can survive construction like it's you're working outside in the cold. And I, I was surprised I can do it. It wasn't easy. My first few weeks, I would go to bed with my arm sore. <laughs> like, I, I can't sleep lying down straight. Mm-hmm. I have to sleep. With my arms down, so the blood will flow, or else it'll feel numb. You're exhausted. Like there was a, there was a time that I had to sleep on the couch, so I'll be mm-hmm. sitting down, mm-hmm. but my arms are down. Yeah, it has to be on that position, so I'll be comfortable. If somehow my arm is higher than my body, I'll feel numb because of how hard the day was. Wow, that's crazy, man. And and just quickly, how long you been here in Canada? Since 2014. So has it been six six years? Six years. And do you feel Canadian yet? Oh, no. <laughs> Still not? No, man. I, I don't think... What do you think would it take for you to feel Canadian? Nothing. Do you? Yes. I don't. I like... do feel Canadian. I am Canadian. I am ethnically Filipino, but I am Canadian too. I mean... Yeah, I'm proud to be Canadian. I love being Canadian. It's I, it's amazing. I, you know, it's like 
in a country that is a small town. You have that feeling of being a small town. I mean, yeah, it took me a while to feel Canadian, to feel welcomed. And you, you know, the funny story is how I felt, started feeling Canadian was, it was the, um, the Winter Olympics. I started watching hockey, Winter Olympics. And that's when the Canadian team won gold. They call it the golden goal. And I watched the whole thing and I don't know why. I love sports, but when they won, I felt like I won too as a Canadian. And from then on, I'm like, yeah, I'm Canadian. And I do feel Canadian. I mean, why wouldn't you? That's like, why resist of being Canadian? You live here, you're going to stay here. Your family's here. I, I mean, my family's here. Obviously, I'm not telling how you feel, but I'm, this is my opinion of, yeah, I am Canadian. I live here. My kids are Canadian. I love being Canadian. I, and this is not disrespect of my background. And I will never forget that. I am proud to be Filipino as well. But why can't you be Canadian and Filipino at the same time? How about you? Why do you feel you're not Canadian? I don't know. I'm, I just don't have the feel... For it to be labeled, maybe like the hell with it. Like I'm, I'm here. I'm living here. I'm, I'm a person, just trying to raise my kids, mm-hmm. having a family. Mm-hmm. I could, I could work. I can get along with people. Mm-hmm. I, I love sports. I can watch Canadian sports. I can watch. I can eat Canadian. I love Canadian food. I like poutine. I love the food. Like uh, there's one, Nanaimo bars. I fucking like them. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they're Canadian. Um, I just, maybe I just don't feel the need or like, why label it? Do you feel Canadian? I mean, it's not, it's not a label or it's not like a need. It's just, you feel it. You know what I mean? Like, or I just, do I just not understand it? Or? I don't know. I, I, like I said, that's why I ask you, but it's not a label to like, to say, Hey, I'm Canadian or, you know, to show pride or anything. It's just, you just feel it. I feel welcome. Yeah, which is important. Like, definitely Canadian people are nice. Mm-hmm. I get it. And like, so, yeah, yeah. They're... Sorry, I'm just, I'm just speaking from no what I have experienced. No, no, for sure. I mean, if anyone's listening, please don't be offended. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have three subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I want to ask you. I like asking this question. What do you miss the most from back home in the Philippines? My friends. Mm-hmm. My my brothers, so I called. Like mm-hmm. I miss hanging out with them. I miss having I miss having fun with them. Mm-hmm. I miss I miss all the crazy stuff what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you gotta you gotta grow up. Like um, this is how Canada helped me. Mm, tell us. Um, Canada helped me by being away from them. Okay. I don't think I can be this mature or this husband if I was in the Philippines. It's it's kind of hard to spend time with family when you also want to spend time with your brothers, with your with your friends, right? Mm-hmm. So being thousands of kilometers away from them, mm-hmm. I, well, I can't do anything about it, man. I can't be there. Yeah, so for sure. I'm here. <laughs> it gives you the freedom. Yeah, that's a good, uh, a good point. So it's mostly friends. Yeah, me too. Same here. Family and friends, to be honest. Rest is like, food is awesome, obviously. And some places that are close to our heart. But like I always say, I don't miss Tanai. I miss the idea of Tanai. Um, 
If you make good money, would you still live back in the Philippines or stay in Canada? If I'm good and settled, yes, I'll be in the Philippines, man. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Well, it's like it's like that's everything. You're you're home, and you got all your financial needs. What else could you ask for? Mm-hmm. Um, let's close with this one. If someone's planning on migrating or immigrating to Canada or anywhere in the world, what would you tell them to expect, and what advice would you give them? Get on it. <laughs> what? <laughs> now leave your house. Oh, um, not only to the people who who's going to Canada, but uh, to the people who are already in Canada. Mm-hmm. If well, first, if you're planning to go here, just get off your ass. Just just do it. You, I mean, while you're doing it, you're in the Philippines. While you're doing it, while you're in the process of going to Canada, you'll see. I promise you, you'll see hundreds of people just dying to get out of the country. Now, when you're in Canada, you'll see how how convenient it is to be in Canada. Well, it's not mm-hmm. really convenient, but you'll get what you work for. And what I notice is how people really take it for granted. It's not really that hard to find a job. You just have to want it and have the mindset for mm-hmm. it. Like go to a place, ask for like, can I, can I cut your grass? Can I, you can start with that, man. Like if people around here in Canada see you working, mm-hmm. then you'll get good reference to get a better job. Then this guy, if he likes you, he'll talk. Hey, I got I got Bobby working for me. He was cutting grass. So you don't need any kind of clearance, police clearance, NBI clearance. You don't have to pay the government of Canada just to get a job. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I think we got it all. Um, do you have anything to say or promote? Um, me and my wife, we're trying to start a small business. Uh, my wife is really into it. She's making organic skin products, uh, natural and organic. You can check her Facebook page. It's uh, Riza Organics. Her work is there. We, we sell body butter, um, organic soaps skin oils just yesterday she made some more soaps and some organic chapsticks yeah so you can check her facebook page visa organics and um, text her at 807-407-3494 okay well i'll post it on the page when i post this episode for sure thank you visa organics on the facebook page um, again, I want to thank you, my brother, thank for you. doing this. Thank you. Thank I had you fun. for your time. Yeah, it was really fun. I thank you very much. I want to thank you for listening. And as always, if you want to contact the show about anything, or if you want to be a guest on the show, go to the Facebook page, An Immigrant's Life Podcast, or send your email to animmigrantslife at yahoo.com. To show your support for the show, please like, share, review, and subscribe to the Facebook page and however you get your podcast. I'm Aaron Deliosa, and this is An Immigrant's Life. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you guys later.